This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Welcome to Paranormal Conversations. Random, off-the-cuff discussions on all things paranormal. Welcome to Paranormal Conversations number 10. Kelly, on this episode, we're joined by Malia of Macabre Mondays, who we discovered over on Instagram. It was such a great conversation. I really enjoyed talking to her. Yeah, and it's a really long one. We get into talking about her new venture with Haunted Discoveries TV, her different theories on things in the paranormal, and about why Kentucky is so darn haunted. Malia Molino immediately caught our attention on Instagram with her username, Macabre Mondays. Mondays generally suck, but if they are macabre, that starts to get interesting. And Malia is our kind of people. She is a historical researcher, blogger, paranormal investigator, and grave hunter, Kelly. Very good. Her Instagram is one of the most interesting that we follow. She conjures travel guides and videos, and her latest project is Haunted Discoveries, in which she teams up with ghost hunter alums Brandon Alvis and Mustafa Gatilari to conduct interesting experiments in an attempt to figure out what is behind paranormal activity. Please welcome Malia to the show. (laughs) You guys made me sound so much cooler than I am. I really like (laughs) this already. (laughs) Well, the first thing we love to ask people is, you know, it's not normal for us to be weird kids. So what got you interested in the haunted and creepy side of history? Honestly, it's I've loved it my whole life. I come from a family of a lot of women, all of whom it's you know how some people it's, oh, I believe in the paranormal. I don't believe in the paranormal. That wasn't a question growing up. It was like the paranormal was just an accepted thing that we all dealt with. So I think just by that, by how I grew up, it was such an accepted conversation. And every time I would travel with my parents, like my dad's a drummer, so we would tour a lot. We would go to graveyards and we'd go to historic places. And that was just something that we did as a family activity. And I love stories. Like I just, I love artists and I love different types of storytelling. And I just became really obsessed with people's stories and historical people are always so fascinating. And I really think everybody's story matters. And so I just, the more I can learn about people, the happier I am. Well, I love that you said that you started off with going to cemeteries with your family when you were younger. My next question was going to be, when did your love affair with cemeteries start? Because mm. Kelly and I are both taphophiles. Yes. We actually do this <laughs> thing with our listeners called Cemetery Bingo. And oh. it's we have a bingo card and they go into the cemeteries and it has all this different symbolism and we switch it up each time we do it. And, you know, you have to go in and find all these different symbols and it gets people asking, you know, what do those mean? Mm-hmm. And what we're really trying to do is get people to get this love for cemeteries so that you appreciate them. You want to keep them nice. You you know, when you're a teenager, you're not going to go about vandalizing and that kind of thing. So for you, like, when did it get started? And what was it about cemeteries that just has locked you in? Oh, boy. Honestly, they've always felt like a very peaceful place to me. I think, I mean, it's, it's it's a long winded answer that I'll try to kind of condense. But a lot, a lot for me comes down to a crippling fear of mortality and just this idea that, you know, we're all hurtling towards the same, you know, finish line. We know it's going to happen at some point. And it's this idea of, does the story matter? Do our lives matter? Who's going to remember it? You know, if you're not famous or if you're not, you know, somebody that's legendary, is anybody going to tell your story? So for me... I became really attracted to graveyards because it was a way to walk amongst all of these people. And, you know, I'd always like write notes. I didn't bring a notepad or I'd write it in my phone, like, 
headstones that might catch my eye with interesting names or like, oh, you know, this person's from Scotland down here in LA or Seattle, wherever it was, you know, how did they get here? And so I just for myself started researching who are these people and got really lucky and found some incredible stories. And it just set me on this path of, I wish more people cared. I wish more people took interest in everybody. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, the age old story of, and I know I experienced this where it's, you know, I didn't ask my own grandparents questions that I wish I would have. That's a direct connection to history, right? They live in a different time period. There's so much I could have asked them and we don't think to ask these things and their lives were so fascinating. So it's this, this idea I'm trying to hopefully inspire, educate people to, you know, ask those questions when people are here, but also you can walk through history in your local cemetery, like go down there, look up some names and then do your own research and learn about the people that lived in your town. Yeah. And it's so awesome because now we have so many things at our fingertips in terms of researching and finding the backstory on those people. Mm -hmm. So it's really great these days versus what it used to be. But yeah, definitely, you know, getting in touch with your own family. That's so important. Yeah, I agree. finding the story of everybody else that, you know, walking through these cemeteries, there's so much history there. And it, it's just, there's fascinating stories behind them. It's just encouraging people to have that desire to look yeah. and, and, and then also, you know, take care of the cemeteries because, yes. you know, it's just, ugh, there's so much destruction and it, it's a horrible thing. So we always try to encourage that. Yeah, I always think you have to be a special kind of evil to want to go into a cemetery and just destroy it. It's like, what happened to you that made you just that terrible of a human? Like, it, it, nothing makes me angrier, to be honest. It's just, it's, yes. so, it's so rude. And you think about how much money families would have spent to, like, purchase that stone. And, it, oh, yeah, no, don't even get me started. <laughs> yeah, no, we're the same way. Absolutely. Well, I love what you said about your grandparents, too, because... Both my grandparents on my mom's side served during World War II, and my grandmother was a Marine. And wow. you know, I never asked her about it. All I know is she served, her basic was at Camp Lejeune, and she was a radio operator. And that, that's all cool. I know about her service. And I'm like, that just really sucks that I didn't take the time to ask. I know a lot of them didn't like to talk about it either. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, it's it's so important. And one of the things that I love about cemeteries, and I, I think it's the same for Kelly, is this is proof of existence. Yeah. These people all lived. And mm-hmm. my dad had once told me, well, you know, just cremate me and, you know, throw me out to sea or something. And I was like, no matter what you want me to do with your body or your ashes, I'm going to have something somewhere that I can go to because that is proof for future generations that this person lived. Because I... You know, it's when you go through a cemetery and you find that one that has three children all died on the same date oh. or within a few days of each other or a couple of weeks of each other. And you know that, my gosh, this family probably lost three or four children to the flu or yellow fever or something. And, and those are such important stories for people to hear and to know. Absolutely. I'm, I'm exactly the same way. Both of my parents are very much like, yeah, just cremate me. And I'm like, I will do what you want. But just know there has to be a marker somewhere. Like I'm the person, like I want the big, I want the big crypt, you know? Like I want, I want an espresso machine tucked in the corner, make sure like it's in my will. My kids are coming once a week, having a little espresso, sitting with mom, you know, like that's, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. So uh, not only are you into cemeteries, but you obviously go into these creepy places looking for things that we can't see. What got you started in paranormal investigating? So here's a crazy story. So I, until Haunted Discoveries, I have never been a part of a paranormal investigation. I have spent the better part of a decade, um, like my first show, Macabre Mondays, which is my Instagram, is named after. It's really the history of the places that I'm fascinated by. And I am very interested in the paranormal, but I have always kind of just been petrified of actually experiencing something. I've definitely experienced things without trying to find it. So even though I have made a career essentially of going to places that are supposedly haunted, I was never roaming around with equipment and actually trying to make contact until I became a part of the show. 
And originally, even then, I wasn't going to be part of the investigations. And it just kind of happened that they were like, well, do you want to? And I'm like, you know what? I'm here. What, you know, what better time to try this? And I, A, completely understand the draw now. Like, it's a completely... I can honestly say as a historical researcher and having spent so many years dedicating myself to people's stories, taking that work and then going and actually attempting to contact the people that I have become attached to really in a lot of ways was something that I'm just pissed I didn't start doing earlier because it was so magical and at times incredibly emotional. So it's it's been the stories that have drawn me, but my my fear kept me from doing it. And now I don't think you can stop me. Like at this point, I'm like, yeah, let's, you know, let's do it. Let's do an investigation. So it lit a different kind of passion and fire inside of me that I didn't, I truly didn't have before. And I still feel a little bit like the idea of calling myself a paranormal investigator, I kind of feel like a fraud a little bit just because I'm not, I have, I don't have a long time experience with it. I'm a paranormal enthusiast, I guess you could say, but investigator, like, I don't know if I've quite earned that title. I think I was very much thrown into the deep end and obviously got to investigate with like the echelon of the upper echelon of the, the field. So I feel like I was very lucky in that way. And I learned a lot. That's so awesome. And then, and I think we can very much relate to that because we don't... Imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's just, you get that bug. You know, you have those experiences and it's like, oh my gosh, why wasn't I doing this so many years before? Uh, But for you personally, what is your opinion of what a ghost is? Do you have like a variety of thoughts regarding that I mean we we have our own thoughts and and nothing's ever wrong you of know course, it's absolutely, just a matter yeah. of what are your personal thoughts on that it's a really heavy question um, I know sorry I not to you, put you on the you spot know, or anything it's, it's fine. <laughs> I I honestly I would think I mean, off the bat, truthfully, I do think there's different types of ghosts. If we're just going to play in the fields of like 100% ghosts are real, right? That's just the baseline we're starting with. I think that you have a variety and I think you have like residual entities, right? I think you have things that are happening that aren't necessarily intelligent in a sense where there's not a direct communication between the living and the past, right? But I also think there is intelligent spirits. And that for me, specifically, when we were doing the show, there was a couple of things that happened and really felt like, oh, Jesus, like this is, this is communication, like it's happening. We're talking with somebody that has passed. Why they're there, we don't know. Why ghosts are here, I don't know. I think you know, one of the common theories is always like, well, something tragic happened, right? And they're stuck there because of something. And I can say at least with the show, we kept finding that yes, a lot of places we visited had tragic pasts. But where we were getting a lot of the activity, even surprisingly so, came from places that were deeply loved and by the people that deeply loved them. So I think in my mind, I kind of went into this idea of like, oh, this location had all this horrible stuff happen. So if there's going to be a place, right, that's haunted, it's probably going to be this place. And I feel now that my point of view has shifted a bit just from the places that we experienced and the things that we experienced and places that were deeply loved. I think, I don't know, I think sometimes ghosts want to want to stay. I don't, I don't know. I think whether... I don't know what kind of choice there is. I don't don't have those answers. But I I do think that like creature comfort, if we love a place and we feel comfortable in a place, maybe maybe we just don't want to leave it. I'm right there with you. There's (laughs) other, you know, I sometimes wonder, you'll hear people who say, well, how come we never hear, you know, about a Britney Spears ghost? (laughs) Yeah. You don't see a ghost in parachute pants or what have you. And so sometimes I wonder if what we're experiencing isn't some kind of a a time space loop overlap that, you know, that woman in the Victorian dress over there is actually seeing us in our shorts and T-shirt and is probably going, what in the heck are they wearing? They're women. And, and we're both seeing each other in each other's times and neither one of us is actually dead. And so that's, I think, why this is such a fascinating field, because 
unfortunately, we're probably never going to have the answers until we actually get there. And as you have probably found now, and as we have found, uh, the answers that you get from the other side aren't real clear about that either. Mm. <laughs> like, they don't come right out and tell you, oh, this is exactly what happens when you move on or what have you. Or, like There's you no said. Beetlejuice book handed to you. you <laughs> no, know? wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> no waiting room or anything like that. <laughs> and, or, you know, do we get a choice when we get there? You can you kind of like the movie Ghost is, does the light come yeah. down and you could say, no, I'm not going to go quite yet. So it's just that I think it's, that's why it's such a fascinating field is because it just, there's so many different answers and we just don't know. I was just going to say, I'm of the mindset that when you're passionate about a location um, in terms of spirit form, I feel like they can come and go, but the ones that we've had the most interactions with definitely are related to the actual site. Sometimes there is residual, but I, I feel like when you have that much passion about a location in the living form, you can't help but come back and revisit that. So I'm hopeful that at the end of days for us, that, that that's going to be the situation, but we'll never know for sure. That's the thing. I, I, I had an interesting thought that has kind of been haunting me ever since I had it is, you know, we do, we talk about the Victorian era ghosts a lot, right? Or civil war era ghosts a lot. And so you have a kind of 150, 200 year timeline that we're consistently feeling like we're hearing stories about, not just in America, kind of around the world. And I was so excited when I finally went to England and to these places, I'm a huge English history nerd. That was like my gateway into just like deep obsession of history. And I remember going to the Tower of London and just always in my head there in Hampton Court, like, oh, Jesus, this is going to be able to feel all these vibes. It's so creepy. It's going to all these crazy things happen here. And I went there and I felt nothing. Like my husband has pictures of me, like literally touching walls. I'm like, I'm just not connected into this place. I need to like, I need to zone in and (laughs) maybe it's just too much. And then I had this weird idea of like, what if this is going to sound insane, but what if there's like an expiration date on hauntings? Like what if, if it's residual energy and yeah, energy can't be created or destroyed, but does it always linger in the same place? Like, why aren't we hearing maybe, maybe there's like this, we're in the window now for civil war Victorian times. And then maybe in a hundred years, there will be Britney Spears ghosts and ghosts (laughs) in parachute pants. Maybe we just haven't gotten there yet. Like, I don't know. That's really interesting to consider an expiration date on that type of thing. You know, you know, I love this because there was a thought that I had that, you know, maybe there's a certain level of learning you have to do on the other side. And that's why, Mm -hmm. you know, when you go into some of these places that are newly haunted, you don't get a lot of activity because they're not quite sure how to work with the equipment or maybe there's different levels that you have to reach or ability levels that you get to. And so that almost goes in line with what you're saying. It's like, maybe it's not necessarily an expiration date, but they've, they've reached the, the summit, you know, they've kind of like, uh, you know, new agey kind of ascended master or something, you know, so you're the ascended master ghost. So now you're not there anymore. And like you said, there's this window of, this is the, the group that's now learning and getting there. And then later on, we'll have the rest of us, you know, when, when so, so the ones that say it's Britney B, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's like a, a bit further off that is, yet. That's just so dancing and twirling around everywhere. <laughs> right. You're just in this twirling ghost. Hey, maybe we'll actually be able to it's dance tough. like Britney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> I'll have the python on my shoulders. Love it. Well, like you said, you're basically a history nerd, and we love that because we'll have some people who will, you know, make comments about the podcast about why is there so much history? There's not enough spooky or creepy in it or whatever. And we try to keep to like, these are the true stories or real experiences that people have had because we feel like the history is the most important part. And if if you don't know the history, there is no point in even doing any kind of paranormal investigating for you. Why do you have such a connection to history? Why do you feel that it's so important? It's a couple of things, honestly. I, I mean, A, it's it's my fear of mortality, right? So it's just me and my own weird journey to feel like I'm helping in some weird way people to kind of live on in, in a weird alternate way. But also I am I'm tired of being fed lies. Like, I mean, I grew up like everybody watching spooky shows and being addicted to, you know, 
every docu-series about creepy locations and they just, they glorify everything. And I really, at, at a certain point, I was like, I wonder how much of this is true. Like, wh- what what was their research? Like, is this verified? Like, where are they coming at this from? And so I think for me, especially being based in LA, you have so many places that are haunted, right? Like, everybody's haunted by Marilyn Monroe, you know, yes. Valentina, every, everybody, at, like, how are all these same people everywhere? And were they even ever there? So I kind of started from that point is for my own self, I want to know how accurate are these stories? Or is it just a really good story that sells? And I think that's usually what it is. And that just evolved into me being frustrated in another way that the truth is always as interesting as the legend. Like, I don't think, you know, and one of the ideas that we do play around with a lot in the show is this idea of does belief create a haunting? Can it? Can the actual belief of something believed over time by multiple people, does that have enough power to create its own haunting? Who knows, right? Who knows? But people do tend to get really attached to like, no, no, a person was definitely hacked to death in that house. It's like, not no wait like there's no proof of that there's no there's no coroner reports there's no police reports there's never been you know like just it doesn't add up but people like don't you del- dare tell tell people that somebody wasn't hacked to death there so yeah I, I'm the same way it's I want people to get the truth and I hope they realize that it's still as fascinating because every story has real humans that are involved and I believe everybody's story is important and is interesting. Every human life is interesting. And I think if you can look past this, you know, your own nose, I think more people would be really interested in other humans' lives. Yeah, definitely. Most people are so self-centric and we definitely believe in tulpas, you know, that power of everybody speaking about a legend or trying to summon something and that energy being centralized to create something that isn't necessarily true. Absolutely. Yeah, that's like why we like to go into some of these smaller places that a lot of people haven't, haven't been, been into because, you know, you go into a Waverly Hills that's had thousands <laughs> of people coming through there with all the same stories they're focusing on. And you start to get to the point where you're like, is there really, you know, this shadow figure haunting that? Or did all these people coming there thinking there was shadow figure there create a shadow figure being there? Um, Absolutely. You know, for me, like Waverly Hills, obviously, the way that they would have been treating people there, um, you know, a lot of it was archaic and and probably very painful and everything. But they also weren't killing people on purpose in there and stuff. So, you know, I, I always look at places like that and go, I know for like Kelly and I, you hear all these stories about, oh, my gosh, this place is so creepy and so horrible. Like the Velisca Axe Murder House. We were a little... Yes. Oh, I don't know, you know, do we really want to go in there? It sounds like it's just this, you know, horribly evil place and everything. And then then you go in and you're like, it doesn't feel that way in here. And we had a lot of interactions with kids. And it, it feels like if you bring in a lot of that fear and all that other stuff, you're also going to create Feed kind it. of that atmosphere that you build up. Like a, a Zach Bagans goes into places ready to fight somebody. Well, why do you think you're always getting a negative entity coming at you? Very much. And that was something that was really important to us on the show was to go to places that people probably haven't heard of for for many of those same reasons. We were, you know, we wanted to start with as clean of a baseline, I guess, as you can get. I have to say, looking at your Instagram, Preston Castle seems to be a place you really like. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What you is know, it about it's- that, that that is just grabbed you? I think for me, I mean, it's, it was absolutely, it looks like, I mean, if we're talking about places like a Waverly Hills, right, you have these places that just look innately creepy, like it looks like a horror film. And so your mind already starts going like you you want it to be a certain thing, right? Because of the way it looks. And I had never had the opportunity to go to Preston Castle before. And so when I had the opportunity, I obviously seized it. And it was just I was so taken by it because there isn't a lot of places like that still in existence in California. Like we don't, you just don't have a lot of huge Victorian 
institutions that are still standing. So it's very unique to the landscape here. And it was, I mean, it's breathtaking. It's gorgeous. And of course, the history of it is, you know, it has some sinister stories, of course, because you're always going to get some of that. But I mean, the end of the day, it was, you know, it was a reformatory. It was kids that were sent there who could have done anything from stealing a loaf of bread to actually murdering somebody. And they're all in the same place. But this is also the same building that operated as the post office for the area. It's the same place that was the hospital, not just for the inmates or wards, as they called them, but for the people of I own. (laughs) You had to kind of commingle in a certain situation, which I thought was really fascinating And they have a lot of original stuff still in there, which I love. Like all of the hospital beds are original, which, you know, you could look at as a little macabre, a little creepy. And for the most part, I didn't, when I was there, I think I was just so apt to be there. And to be honest, I I feel like I have this new sense of bravery going into locations that I didn't have before, because I'll, I'll say like having not investigated anything my whole life and then doing the show, I had always thought that once I did an investigation, if I ever chose to do one, I'd be terrified. You know, like I'm the girl that doesn't like to sleep in a dark room by herself. Like if I'm by myself, the TV is on. I do not like the dark and everything we experienced. Fear never once was a part of the fold. I was so fascinated by experiencing something that all of our equipment was telling us was, you know, was it ghosts? Who knows? But it was paranormal, right? Like something was changing the environment. Something was off. And I was so fascinated. So going after doing the show and then going to Preston Castle, I'm like, oh, I got this. Like, I'm not <laughs> This is fine. And I will say that there's a section where you can walk into where the boys' dormitories were. And I, my body would not move in that direction. Like I was standing there and I, you know, was very fortunate. I had like a private guy that took us around and it was just him and I on the second floor. And he's like, you want to go over there? And I was just standing there and I'm like, I don't, I don't think I should. Like my whole, it was that feeling of like, this is not a safe space for you to walk into. And I was really fascinated by that because I hadn't felt that really at all when I was in all these other crazy locations. So, and I I do think you should listen to your body. I'm a very intuitive person. Like I always thought I'm very sensitive to energies and such. And so I didn't, apparently I missed some cool stuff. Apparently it's pretty cool looking in there, but I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get my body to move that way. I felt like people were just staring. Like, I don't know how else to explain it. And I was like, yeah, they can, they can have their own little space, but yeah, press it. I mean, it was gorgeous. Loved it. Big fan. (laughs) Totally get that. And it, it is one of those weird things where when you first start diving in and investigating, I kind of felt the same as you in terms of what I was expecting to encounter. And then it was like, the complete polar opposite. And I, it just jazzed me more. I mean, I saw a shadow figure really early on and what I expected would have scared me didn't. And it just got me that much more excited. And, and yes, you, you do, you come into those circumstances sometimes where you get that almost that, that hand on your chest saying, nope, don't go there. Most of the times for myself, I just say, well, I'm going to be polite, but I, I'm going anyway. But everybody has to listen to themselves. And I, I've, you know, had a little bit of nausea here and there and, and stuff. But overall, we've had really positive experiences, even in places where people say, oh, my gosh, it's so horrible. And don't don't go and investigate there. And it felt terrible. And we just, you know, I think part of it goes into the way that you investigate. You know, with the respect and the courtesy and everything, you're coming to their their home, essentially. Absolutely. Wherever it might be, whether it's a jail or where have you, you when you're approaching it in a respectful manner, you know, you're being kind. It it just makes all the difference in the world. So, you know, as of yet, we haven't had anything super negative. I we've had some darker feelings attached to different scenarios, but it hasn't been anything lingering. You know what's ironic when you were talking about how you had a little bit of trepidation before you would start investigating and stuff? 
I always would have to have like a nightlight, not just the little nightlight that you plug into the, you know, the plug that has the little light. I mean, I needed to have like the light next to the bed on or, and if I was home alone, I always would go to sleep with the TV on and everything. Once I started doing paranormal investigating, I I never, I don't even need a nightlight anymore. And so if somebody was to come to me and says, I have a fear of the dark, what can I do about that? They'd probably look at me like I was crazy because I would say, I'd start investigating some haunted locations because it just really, it's like once you start going into these places and you think all this horrible stuff's going to happen or all this scary stuff, again, it, it could happen. But so far, I just, I've mostly just been like, whoa, did that just happen? And, and how do I explain that? And I, I've just been really blown away by some of the experiences rather than had anything that made me be like, I've got to get the hell out of here. Yeah, it's all been amazing experiences and same, same fear of the dark and things like that. And all of a sudden it just kind of dissipated. Wow. I'm not at that point yet completely, but I will (laughs) say, I will say when I was up uh, in Northern California and visited Preston Castle, the place that I was staying, I was staying in this really beautiful B&B and it was this old 1800s house, but I was staying in like the addition. So I was in a new portion, didn't feel creepy at all. And when I got back from Preston Castle, it was like two in the morning or something, you know, it's super quiet. Like I literally was probably the youngest person staying there by a solid, I don't know, 40 years, which was, you know, everyone was very lovely, but it was just, you know, it wasn't a rowdy crowd. Like I felt horrible walking in at like 2 a.m. <laughs> and I'm almost asleep. And I start, I I do think that things tend to attach to me. So I try to cleanse myself as much as possible, but I didn't that night because I was so tired and I'm almost asleep. And then I hear tapping on the wall and I hear it over here. And so I like immediately like do that thing where you like wake up and you're like, oh, here we go. And then the tapping went above my bed and then it was going around in circles around the walls on the ceiling. And I literally, I wasn't scared. I was, I was, I was so tired. You know, I'm that trying to sleep. Literally, I was like, I don't have time for this. I'm so sorry. If you want my attention, I need the sleep. I have an early morning and it, I mean, it eventually stopped, but it was, it was strange. And I stayed two nights and it didn't happen the second night, which was interesting. Um, but so even though if I'm by myself, like there was definitely a TV on in that room. I keep like the, like the noise down, but ironically, when I felt like something was kind of happening, I wasn't scared. I was mad. <laughs> I was just watch me sleep. Yeah. We just tend to speak things out loud. Um, just like we're talking to a person when stuff is going on and, and when we're leaving a site or anything like that. So maybe in the future, if they're disrupting your sleep, say, okay, you know, hi, I see you. I, I hear you or what have you, but I need my rest. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But I need your rest. Please leave me alone. Yeah, I'm not bugging you. <laughs> and now a little break for a word about one of our sponsors. So I saw that uh, you mentioned that you had gotten married, but you haven't been on your honeymoon yet. That's coming up this fall and it's going to mm-hmm. be in Europe. So I've got to ask, do you have some haunted locations on your itinerary? Yeah, I, well, we haven't nailed it down completely. So if it's, oh, my poor husband, this is every time we travel, I try really hard, like he knows when things are kind of like a work trip, or if it's, you know, for pleasure. And so I, because he doesn't necessarily he's a believer, but he doesn't he doesn't seek it out the way that I do. Like he doesn't get as excited when I'm like, they have a real Iron Maiden, you know, he's not not as excited as me. <laughs> so, but he's really, he's also a history nerd. He's like a huge world war history uh, nerd. So we take turns. So it's like, this is his day. Maybe we'll go do this. So I haven't come on my list yet that I'm going to talk to him about very politely. Like, are you okay if we go here? <laughs> you know, but he knows that there's a cemetery. We're definitely stopping. That's the one thing that he, you know, he doesn't really have control over. Let's be honest. <laughs> Just make sure you're driving, hit the brake and <laughs> turn the wheel. We we did, a, we were in uh, the Northeast this past fall and he just started speeding by cemeteries really quickly, like hoping that I wouldn't <laughs> see him because <laughs> we had to keep stopping. Yeah, yeah not for the Northeast because those tombstones are the most different. You won't see those anywhere else. So it's like, no, we They're have to stop. 
they're so beautiful. They're so beautiful. I mean, I will say that we haven't, we know we're going, we're going to be, I'm going to be gone. We're going to be gone for two weeks and we're kind of bookending the trip with England and we're going to fill the kind of middle week with uh, possibly Germany, Switzerland and going back to France. So we're going to try to cram in as much as humanly possible because who needs sleep? <laughs> who needs right. Sleep? <laughs> no, no. Nice. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know a hundred percent yet where I'm going to try to convince him to go, but I'm sure it'll be all over my Instagram. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it. Uh, have you guys been to New Orleans together? No. And you know what? It's kind of a blessing, even though they have the huge uh, World War II history museum down there. He doesn't, for some reason, New Orleans isn't pulling at him as much, which is honestly really good for me because it just might mean I can turn into a girl trip with my girlfriends who also love the stuff I love. And I think that might, I, I think, I think that's how I need to do New Orleans. I've never been. Um, New Orleans and Savannah are both like really high on my like America to do list. Uh, but I keep telling them like, they do have stuff for you too, honey. It's not, it's not just cemeteries and stuff for me, but I have to say we were in New Orleans last June and my grown sons came out and the world war II museum is amazing. The oh, that's why I was gonna I was gonna oh, suggest gosh. it to you guys. I'm like, well, you could get to a haunted place. There's and a then... lot for both of you. <laughs> so I'm like, honestly, he would probably love it. I, I think mean, he you would. could spend the whole day there easily. And the oh, interactive boy. movie theater. Oh my gosh, it's like you're actually in the field with the war, hearing the bombs going off. And yeah, what that it, must it's have felt like and then there's vibrations. Soldiers there's, telling you what they're feeling as they're going through it. Yeah. And yeah, it's pretty. It's amazing. really that incredible. incredible. Yeah. It's really incredible. I'll have to work on him. I'll work on him. But we'll I mean, again, it's good for a girls' trip you, you too. You want to have a girls' trip, so but, maybe don't you know, tell them. You you can. <laughs> You could go twice, you know, you could do a girl's trip and then take him along for another one. My bags are always like half packed. Like I'm just (laughs) always so ready. If it wasn't for my cat, I'd never come back to be honest. I would just be out. (laughs) So in, in terms of the places that you've investigated, what is your dream place to investigate? Yeah, that you haven't been to yet that you would like to. Oh, oh my gosh. That's a, that's a really, really good question. Put me um, on the spot. <laughs> that's really, that's really hard. I, I, I don't, there's, I have so many things that are running through my head. I will say I would love, and I know it is so, it's so cliche, but I would love to go to Penhurst. Penhurst has always been just historically. I'm so fascinated by that place. And so it's more so that I would love to visit it and it would be incredible to see if anything happened. Although I will say, even though I have been there, I have a thing for <laughs> like a deep love old prisons. That's why Alcatraz <laughs> is one of my favorite places on the planet. Like to do an investigation at Alcatraz would be the system. I mean, the location is just so unique on such, there's just something about that place that feels otherworldly. And I don't know if it's because it's, because of something paranormal or it's just the location. Um, but actually, I think, I think I'd say Alcatraz. Even though I've been there, I've never, you know, I was just there on like the normal walkabout tour. So if I was ever to have access to spend some legitimate time and try to do an investigation there, that would be, that'd be great. That's very cool. We've had one of our other guests that was their dream location was to do Alcatraz. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, it's just such a great place. It's just and it's beautiful. You can't beat the view. Who doesn't want an investigation with the view? Right. What's really neat for us here in uh, Florida, obviously, you've heard of St. Augustine and stuff. And they have this place called the old jail there. And it looks kind of like a hokey location. They have all these little statue mannequin type things. of They're mannequins. They're mannequins with prison garb. (laughs) So, you know, you drive past it and you're like, is that a tourist trap? But you go in and it's one of these old county jails that the, you know, warden had lived in it and everything. And it's got haunting stories and stuff. But the main thing about it is you go into where the gel cells are and the mechanism and the whole way it was built is the same as the cells in Alcatraz. It's the exact same. They brought it over from there. You know, it was this technology that they had developed and they installed it in this little jail in St. Augustine, Florida. It's just amazing because you're like, so this is what the cells in Alcatraz are like. 
We have a mini Alcatraz. It's not on an island, but you know, it's okay. That's still really cool. That's yeah, super. it's really neat. I think the thing that about jails to me that I am so fascinated by, and it has, it actually has, I mean, criminal history is fun, right? Like, let's just admit it. It's, it's a little saucy, but I think it's this idea of going into spaces where people were left alone with their thoughts for so long. Like if you're going to have energy anywhere that's residual, when you have repetitive thought, like what better place than a jail? Like Absolutely. it just, to me, that makes perfect sense. So there's something, there's never been a jail that I've entered in that I haven't felt like, whoa, like not, not creeped out, not spooky. It's just, there's that heaviness. Like, oh, there is, it's like, it's like you're walking through energy mud. That's how it kind of feels to me. That's actually one of our favorite things to investigate. And we've got a few really small county jails around us that we've done investigations at. We've also done Squirrel Cage Jail, which was amazing. amazing. Ooh, where's the, that? It's in Iowa. It's it's near the Velisca Axe Murder House. It's okay. in Council Bluffs. And the thing that's cool about it is that it's this, it's like a circular jail. So it's when they would put people into their jail cell, the whole thing would have to rotate to get to the cell. So it was like maximum security because how are you going to escape when your gel cells over there and the whole thing has to rotate for you to even get to an opening? And there were men who would have their arms hanging out and lose an arm because, you know, the gel cell is rotating around. And it's I think it's three <laughs> stories. It's either three or four. Yeah, it's just it's an amazing location just because it's a very rare jail. There were only I can't remember like 10 or 11, maybe 12 of them that were ever built in America. And this is one of three that is still standing. I've I can't I my brain just exploded. I've never heard of this place <laughs> by somehow. And that sounds incredible. Yeah. And we had it, it was cool because uh, we hosted our own investigation there. Like we had some of our listeners come, we rented the place out and everything. And since it was our first time hosting, you know, you get nervous because you're like, oh God, what if nothing happens? <laughs> yeah, we had never done the flashlight experiment ourselves. You know, you see it on TV and you're like, yeah. does that really work? Or is that something they're pulling? And so, you know, we went out and got our mag light. And so I unscrewed it and everything. And I set it down and we were in this room where one of the deputies would have stayed and stuff. And we're like, you know, if there's anybody with us, if you could turn on the flashlight. And I mean, bam, it turned on. And I mean, I was like, my heart was just like, doo, doo, doo. I was like, oh my God. She Not played it all did cool. We have activity, but this actually works. It was just, it was so cool. We had That's a lot really of cool. really amazing experiences yeah. for that investigation. And I, I mean, it was definitely a, a banner one and we definitely want to go back. Um, Let me know. Great location. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've That's alluded awesome. to the Haunted Discovery show a lot, but yes. why don't you go ahead and let the listeners know, you know, the premise behind it and maybe even mention, I don't know how much you could talk about, but maybe mention a couple of the places that you guys get to go to or something. So Haunted Discovery is our exploration of eight different locations in Kentucky with the entire thesis of the show being to help Brandon, who founded the American Paranormal Research Association or APRA. And he's really, he's crazy in my opinion, but he's <laughs> looking for a place to headquarter his business and live in. So we did the show in the hopes to help him sort of figure out is it a safe or a good idea for him to uproot his entire family and actually live and operate out of a location that is haunted so he can do year-round research to kind of, you know, further his exploration of the paranormal. It was the craziest experience of my life. And I felt very validated because it's, so it's me, it's Brandon Alvis, Mustafa Gadalari, and Kevin Audi. And the three of them collectively have something like 35 years of paranormal investigation. Like they've been doing it for a very long time. And I'm like the novice history nerd, like, you know, just bouncing in. And the things that we were experiencing, I was blown away by. And then when I saw it registered to all of them that, oh, no, this isn't they haven't experienced this either. And this is something truly unique. Um, and it kind of kept happening and there was locations. I mean, there were a couple locations, I can't say where yet, that we went to that we kind of collectively were like, this is going to probably be a dud, which is fine, which is actually good because it's a demonstration of not every location is actually haunted. And it was those locations that ended up being the most active on a level that 
none of us anticipated. So it was incredible. All eight episodes take place in Kentucky. I'd only ever been to Kentucky one other time. Kentucky is a very, very strange place with very crazy history. And it's, you know, it's not just crazy because of the stories. It's literally deemed by NASA as an anomaly. Like the Kentucky anomaly is a real thing. The gravity in Kentucky is heavier and it sits above the largest quartz cave system in the world, which is obviously a conduit of energy. So I have now been to Kentucky twice and both times I got a certain type of sick that I have never been anywhere else in the world. And I truly think it is the atmosphere and we did get greenlit for a second season, which I'm very excited about. And we are returning to Kentucky for at least a portion. And I'm a little apprehensive about getting sick again, even though I, I mean, the people are great. The locations are fantastic. The history in Kentucky is so diverse. And I think that's what really excites me about the show is, you know, you have a place where historically, you know, Native Americans didn't even want to stay in Kentucky. They considered it the graveyard of the West. It was the dark and bloodied ground. Like there was something about it and it could have been the energy the horses didn't like or whatever. But now you have all of these generations, generations of like proud Kentuckians who would never leave, like love it there so much. And so you have these deep familial ties to locations that I haven't found anywhere else. Like there's just a very different culture there that I think contributes a lot to these locations. And I'm so excited for being able to announce where it's going to be and where people can watch because I think some of the stuff that we caught is truly special. I knew that some of the locations were in Kentucky. I didn't realize that all of them were. And mm-hmm. that was something that I was going to ask you about and stuff because, you know, I've been down in Mammoth Cave and we've yep. done a couple of episodes about that. I've watched the Hellier series, uh, you know, both seasons and stuff. Oh, yeah. And it just... It really is amazing when you think that you have, because Kentucky's not a little state, mm-hmm. almost this entire state is sitting on this cave system. And, and why is this cave system there? How did that end up happening that that piece of land has all of those hollowed out areas in there? And is it all natural? Yeah. Did something hollow it out before? Because when we talk about history and you talk about wanting to know the truth about history, I think there's a lot about prehistory and stuff that we will never know about, you know, were there civilizations even here before we were here or what have you. And so it it makes you wonder, did did somebody else go in there and form those at some point and and that kind of thing? And with all that quartz there, because there really is so much energy that gets wrapped up in there. And I, I love the premise that Brandon is going with two, I think it was two of our conversations ago, we talked to Dr. Chris Sumner and she and a friend of hers actually bought an old county jail in Tennessee, the old Scott County jail. And that's exactly what they're doing with it too. I mean, they don't live there, but they're running it as a paranormal research center because they're like, we wanted to buy something or they're renting it or leasing it, but to have like a headquarters where they could go in and investigate it when they want to and try all of these different experiments. Cause that's the thing that fascinates me about what you guys are going to be doing is you're doing experiments that haven't been tried before. And like you said, when you watch some of these old paranormal shows that they kind of get repetitive over time and like kindred spirits mm-hmm. has been doing a lot of experiments that you don't see anybody else doing. And when we go into places, we try to do that kind of stuff too, because it's like, not only are maybe some of the spirits here getting bored with, okay, I'm tired of turning on and off the flashlight. Can we do right. something else? <laughs> you know, it, it just fascinates me that they are trying these different kinds of things. And you have really good energy there with those guys. We uh, did an investigation with Mustafa at the USS North Carolina, and he's he's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah he he's is. something else. He is something else. <laughs> <laughs> <I never laughs> stops. He's a ball of energy. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where he gets it. Yeah. Yeah. He's a trip. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was an incredible experience. And yeah, some of the tech that we were, we were lent pieces of tech from like the government, like pretty much like we, some of the stuff that we're using, I just, I didn't even feel like I should get close to it. You know, like, Oh God, (laughs) how much is this worth? You know, I don't want to mess it up. You know, it was really important for the guys that we are trying things that people haven't tried before. We are really 
you know, the whole point is to further this field, right? It's to take exactly. it from parascience to like a true science. And, you know, when you think about the fact that there really isn't any kind of formula or, or baseline for how people conduct investigations. So, but, you know, every scientific field, like, yes, you can think outside of the box, but eventually there's like a protocol. There is something that you can compare data back to. And so when you have people like you, like your friends that are now going to be operating out of a space, like what does it look like when you have long-term data on one location that you can study things like the environment, moon cycle, whatever it is, the weather, you know, does that, are you getting the same results? Does something influence it? And versus typical groups go in for a night or a couple nights, it's really luck of the draw at that point. Are you going to get anything? And, And is that how it always is? Or is that just an off night or a really good night? So I hope, my hope is that more people start doing long-term data on locations to see if they can start finding common threads and hopefully eventually things start kind of linking. And maybe one day someone's like, aha. Puzzle pieces, <laughs> yep. Yeah, like things start falling into place, you know? And I will say, I think where I wish history and paranormal worlds would kind of converge more is because I think there's the people that love history, right? That resent the paranormal field because so many people don't do the research. And so they're perpetuating legend instead of fact. But then you also have the paranormal side that sometimes like, no, I want the legend to be true. So they get frustrated and people are like, no, 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 that didn't actually happen there. I think there's a beautiful harmony when you bring the two together. And the one thing that I really would love people that aren't into the paranormal, but are into history, the thing that I would like them to start appreciating is all of these historic locations that we all love so much. A lot of them are only still operating because paranormal groups pay to investigate in them. So you might not believe in the cause of what they're studying or going to investigate, but they're also keeping it alive so other people can go and enjoy it. So I just think there's there's a beautiful middle ground that is consistently just being crisscrossed that hopefully melds together down the future. Exactly. When you keep having groups that go in and are respectful, I think you're going to have a lot more historical societies going, you know, they helped put a roof on the place. So, you know, they're not coming in and harming anything. And yeah, so it is, it is, like you said, it's very beautiful when you can have those two things come together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when, when you know the history, but then you also get some of these paranormal proofs, quote unquote, it it really just helps support everything in the long run. Mm -hmm. And, you know, depending upon the method in which they're received, you know, it it can be a a really substantial thing. Malia, we want to thank you for joining us. Before we let you go, why don't you let all the listeners know where they can uh, find out more about you? You can find everything out that you need to know about all my weirdness on Instagram is probably the easiest. So at Macabre Mondays, you could also go to macabremondays.com. And yeah, that's where all of my information is, all the links to all of my stuff. You'll find it all there. All right. Well, you know, we're already following you. I I love what you've got going on. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. We certainly appreciate it. This was great. No, honestly, this was a great conversation. Thanks for having me on. That was a great conversation, Kelly. Yeah, it was really interesting. So make sure you go check Malia out over on Instagram at Macabre Mondays want to thank you guys for tuning in to this paranormal conversation. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.